So you know a bit about boats, eh? I... I quite like sailboats, actually. Well, well then, find the weather helm and tighten that portside chip sheet when I say so. Wait, what? Pull the rope on your left when I holler, and hang on. We'll be heeled over mightily when all the canvas is up. Now, pull! Hello there, and welcome to a very special episode of Pivotal Film. I'm Tom Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio, and this is going to be a short episode. Because we are talking about nine of the ten shortlisted animated short films uh, for the 91st Academy Awards. We have seen all of them except for... Animal Behavior. Animal behavior. Which has not been, it's been playing at some festivals, but it hasn't been released online yet for people to watch. Get on it. Get on it, makers of animal behavior. I'm, I'm sure as we're saying this, it's probably like posted, like, it's probably posted. And if it's not, maybe in, this will inspire them to post it. Yeah. They're one of our 40 consistent listeners. That would be awesome. I, I would be super proud of that. If that was the case. Um, why are we doing this? Because it's awesome, and because it's fun, and because I don't get to watch a lot of animated shorts that aren't attached to Pixar movies, so it was, you know, kind of uh, eye-opening for me, at least anyway, to see and what these people are doing. You know, man, it's, you know, man, it's getting, you know, man, I think it's interesting in that we watched um, a couple of videos attached to conversations with the directors of these. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them being a conversation with uh, Trevor Jimenez, who did Weekends, um, and had 547 views, and it's like the first thing that pops up when you look at when you look up the film, besides the actual film itself. Right. So it's still a very niche thing for a very big form of art. Um, and look at you know, these shorts, a lot of not just animated shorts, but look at live action short films. Mm-hmm. What won in, I believe, 2004 for live, like live action and live action short, short. was a uh, six shooter written, directed by Martin McDonald, mm-hmm. who's now uh, a big time, high level director of his own right. Hasn't been nominated for best director yet, but he has two screenplay nominations for features. So, you know, this is a good way to introduce yourself to works that come out in the future. And it's a good way also to see perspective. And I think that's what film does. You need to present and look at various different facets. You can't just look at the films you're being told to look at. You got to look deep. Well, because they're, they're doing, you're going to do different things when it's just like, you know, the difference between reading a short story and reading a novel. Like they're going to, the way you get to point A to point B is way different than it would be in a short film than it's going to be in a long-form um, film, where you're going to have to have the emotional punch happen much faster and almost be much heavier and I think be a little more clear than you can in a long-form film, where there could be more ambiguity because you have more time to puzzle over the meaning of some metaphor or some image or some symbolism or something like that. No, exactly. Um and before we get into this, I, I do want to preface uh, some of the readings I've had of um, of the subject. These are the shortlisted animated shorts by the Academy Awards. Not necessarily indicative of what is the best animated shorts. Right. Um, 
some of the best reviewed animated shorts. I don't have a list offhandedly. I'll mention some of the ones on Twitter, especially if I'm able to see them. Um, we won't do an episode on it, but I'll give a short little review of those um, that have been really critically lauded, mm-hmm. aren't in this short list. Right. And, you know, unfortunately, the Academy Awards are still heavily politicked. I think seven, six or seven of these are made by L.A. area filmmakers Mm -hmm. or with influence by L.A. area studios. Mm -hmm. You know that this world is making a lot of animated shorts and a lot of live action shorts and a lot of documentary shorts that are not getting recognized because (laughs) they're not able to rub shoulders. Yeah. It just cost us our Oscar, by the way. Fuck. Well, that's all right. That's all right. Um, how do you uh, how do you want to do this alphabetical order? Uh, just kind of how they're being presented. Yeah, yeah, online? no, I I I've, I almost have this in alphabetical. Yeah, we can do alphabetical order. Right, I just cool. have one out of alphabetical order, and I'm doing now. I know it's in alphabetical order. All right, let's get to it. Oh, I'm starting myself. Yeah. The first film is Age of Sail, coming out of what country is the this? United States? The United States, directed, written, and directed by John Kurz. a story of an old sailor in the turn of the century as um turn of the century i'm assuming it's late a 19th century mm-hmm. yes uh, early 20th century um he is a schooner uh captain who has been kind of pushed out of relevancy by the rise of steam power mm-hmm. that sort of tale of the Industrial Revolution burying the uh, the old oh, time are, are and old we philosophies. A metaphor here for the animation style because this is, has a very flat. I mean, it's very expressive, but it has it's, a very flat animation style. Although it does seem to be computer generated, it does, and it's janky. That's something I wrote down. It is very janky, so it's not kind of a typical two D animation style. It does feel computer generated. And it is very expressive, especially near its end. This is one of the, the second longest of the nine shorts we watched, I believe. I think Weekends is probably the longest. Mm. This is about, no, no, probably Grandpa Walrus. Mm. Uh, this is this is one of the longer ones. Um, Ian McShane does the voice of the sailor. And Kathy Ang does the voice of the girl. Is Kathy, is she? No. Okay. Uh, She's a person. She was not on Deadwood. <laughs> no, maybe she was. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, basically it tells this tale of this sailor goes off after, you know, basically accepting the end of his time, uh, a passing mm-hmm. large steamer, um, leaves a woman who falls overboard. He picks her up. Uh, they then attempt to get rescued. There is a, a large attempt 
to be rescued, mm-hmm. leading to the ship being destroyed, him being carried under, and then in the end, he eventually is able to successfully escape the the wires, the ropes of the ship, and both are saved by not all, the mixing of the steam power and their own ingenuity. Yeah. Um. What did you think? Um. I thought it was fine. That was boring. I think there was some pretty good metaphors, you know, to Fancy. time passing and kind of being left behind and feeling like you're being left behind and, and how that could, um, you know, how one tries to fight against something like that and whether or not that fight is actually worth fighting. I mean, he says when he comes back up that he, uh, you know, he all of a sudden, he was, I guess he was trying to, you know, end his life just kind of sailing out into sea and was going to preparing to die out there. We just kind of drinking himself to death. To basically, he has thirteen bottles yeah. of rum or seven bottles of rum and no water. Uh-huh. He's just there drinking himself. And um, after they get saved, he's you know she's singing a song and he says oh, that's an old song and she says I like the old songs and he says like I like the old songs too. While they're standing on a on a steamer ship, um, assumedly going to some port somewhere um, to resume their lives. Um, like you said, that kind of mix. Like you can you can love the old stuff, but also understand like it's, the 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 uh, the necessity of the of the new. It is is a tale of of the importance of the knowledge of the past, while also accepting the advancement the advancement of technology. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the only reason that she's saved is because of her knowledge, their coupled knowledge of, of the, the old how, schooners. Right. Um, but ultimately, they are saved by esteem. You sure. can't fight. Yeah, you, it's almost one of those things that you can't fight progress. The, the voice acting in this is, is top-notch. I think it's the, the best voice acting of all the shorts. and uh, That's to be expected when you have Ian McShane. Mm-hmm. Um, the animation style's stylistically interesting. Uh, I, like you said, it is definitely of an old age. And like I think the jankiness, the kind of stutter step of uh the 2d animation like there's there's a couple of shorts here that are most of the shorts are actually i'd say 2d animated right no maybe half of them are, are 2d but this is definitely yeah. the one that's the most stylized um in terms of setting the tone of kind of its age mm-hmm. i really enjoyed it that's actually my third favorite of the bunch um it's not as emotionally manipulative as I think some of the other shorts, uh, there's a lot of shorts in this group that I think do a lot of work to kind of like elicit emotion in a very short amount of time. I think only two, one of them succeeds. Mm-hmm. Um, and it got me. I actually thought he died. So was, mm-hmm. when, he, when he's getting carried under, so like him surfacing is kind of like a nice little kind of like emotional. It's, it's an emotional manipulation, but but it's nice. And there's it's a pleasant. lot of almost drowning amongst these movies. There is, <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's it's good. Um, you know, I mean, I think it's right. In the I wouldn't middle be. For I, w- I would definitely be happy if if it's one of the nominees, but it isn't. It isn't turning the world on its head. No. Um, that being said, <laughs> the so, movie that probably will win is the next well, one. Well, yeah, I guess um, it's Bow.
Who's it directed by? I didn't write it. Uh, Dami Shi. Dami Shi. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Um, it is out of the United States. It is a Pixar movie. Well, who is Pixar? Are they a Are they a new studio? They're, they're a little independent animation studio. Um, or they do lamps. <laughs> they um. They did. This is that was attached to The Incredibles two. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've seen it Speaking a bunch of, of times on uh, many quick, settings. A quick diversion. You saw Wreck It Ralph two. Ralph wrecks the internet. Ralph, Ralph breaks, breaks the internet. internet yeah. Yeah. Uh, did I have a short attached to it? No, it just had like two. It had two previews for Toy Story four. Two previews. Two Jesus different Christ. previews. Yeah. Um, not written by Rashida Jones. No. Um. All right. Tell me what you think about Bow. Ben Bow. Tells, it shows um, a mother who's uh, you know at a crossroads with her son. Um, they have a fight. She goes to sleep and has a dream where her child is a dumpling come to life. No, uh, a bow. A bow. Uh, I thought a bow was a sandwich. That's a. Oh, that's a. It's a bow me. Oh, maybe yeah. Um, Eventually, I think, I think she knows what she's done. Maybe, maybe no. Let's keep this in. I think it'd be really embarrassing if it's like someone got the Academy Awards. Like she's like, oh, guys, I, I want to accept this award, but I, it turns out I, that was a, I meant to call this dumpling. Yeah. Um. She ends up having the same situation with the dumpling baby. Um, who grows up and grows, and the star of the movie of this short film is, is the pun- pencil stash. Yeah, no. it is. It's the star. It's the, <laughs> the star of the movie. Um, and then it, it it ends with her eating this baby. Um, kind of shockingly, came out of nowhere. I remember. See, I remember talking to another parent who was taking their kids to see, had already taken their kids to see The Incredibles 2, and they warned us about this short film. Like, it might be upsetting to the kids, who just kind of thought it was funny and weird. There was a, there was a funny story. Um, when I went to go see Incredibles 2, unfortunately, because Incredibles 2 was derivative and boring, um, when that happens, I was like, oh. And somebody else laughed. And I, I looked at the person who laughed, and there was, like, this mother just glaring daggers into him. But it is funny. Yeah. It is funny that she eats her it's, child. And it's absurd and it's it, And it's it's it obviously expressing the message of like right. not wanting her child to grow up. Eventually she wakes up from the dream and uh you know her her the child reconcile um It's fine. It's I know it's getting a lot of it's getting a lot of play for obvious reasons because it's probably the most seen out of all of these and uh, Pixar which, always which goes seems to, to show, win. Yeah. These. Actually, they've only won three times this decade. But they're all not. I mean, but they're, they're always all nominated. nominated. Yeah. Um, it's it is. I, I tend not stellar to... animation um, in the sense of environmental animation. But man, are you pretty good texture I'm, in the in I'm the characters? I over think so. how derivative the character animation is. Like you've seen a all right. a Pixar face, yep. and you've seen a Pixar face. Pixar face, and that's a excellent, awesome Mario because. They always gold star. Yes. They always seem to, they always change the design of the characters, but the faces always move in the exact same way. Yeah. Um. The eyes, the mouth, everything kind of the expressions are always, um, essentially the same. Um. And yeah, derivative is. I know you said that about Incredibles two, 
But I kind of feel that about Bao as well. It's like, it's no, I agree. fine. But, like, I'm just, I'm over it. I really want Pixar to do something more interesting. With, if, with the amount of money that they're going to spend on this, make a more interesting story. Uh, no, I agree. It's, 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 once again, really solid nonverbal storytelling. Um, but you're, we expect that now from Pixar because yeah. they can do it. We, we know they can do it, you know. Um, they're, they, they're, it's just not interesting. This is my in seventh place for me, actually. I mean, it's, I still like it, but this is my third least favorite of the bunch. Um, yeah, I'm sticking it at it. I'm putting it right in the middle. It's literally number five for me. Only that would I, that would be right I in the middle. Dis, I mean, I, not that I dislike. I just think it's it's still more like technic, it's still more technically impressive. I think than like the stuff that's lower on my list. Um, yeah, it's technically really sound. It's technically a, but, stunning. So but. we're gonna get. I mean, to the next. We'll get to the next movie, which is oh, um, we're, we're we're done with Bell. I think so because well, we're not done with it. But we'll let's compare it to the next movie because oh, okay. they're like doing this. They're working. We're, in we're, the gonna, same do, we're gonna do a nice wrap up. Yeah. Okay. Um, Bilby. You see, you see where you prepared this before. <laughs> Bilby um, is another movie out of the USA. It's directed by Pierre uh, Perfell, J.P. Sands, and Lisa Lerone Topaz. Lerone Topaz, yeah. Um, I it, it, this is about uh, some kind of animal. It's not. It's not. It's not really about anything. Trying to save a bird. Yeah. It's not, it's not about anything. He gets chased by a lizard. Um. I, I actually thought about you a lot when I was watching this movie um, because I was like, the directing is actually really good. I mean, the camera placement in a lot of these um, in, in this Bilby is, is kind of fascinating. It's almost like you're watching a live action. They've placed the camera in very live action movie spots. Um, I still don't give a shit about it at all. And it was kind of a waste of eight minutes of my life. It is 100% in the middle for me. Um, it is my fifth, but uh, I wrote down, you know, the, the environmental animation. I should say this. The environmental animation on this is, is amazing. It's fascinating. It's, it's yeah, really great. Absolutely. There's, there's a really, uh, it's the most over-directed of the shorts. Oh, in, yeah. Um, has uh, Bill But B. to the point where you notice it. Oh, you're like, well, look where they put that camera. Look where the, you know, where, um, look where they're coming at this from. Where where Bilby is kind of like running around with this little bird creature, uh, it ends up being a seagull. Um, Whatever. That's not what seagulls look like when they're young. Come on, Cloud. guys. Uh, you know, it, it it intercuts with just all the hazards he runs into. Um, but the story doesn't matter. Uh, I wrote down that I think it's very cute and fucking adorable. Because to me. It is like it, it is the sigh of relief in the middle of all these movies, and it reminds me so much of actually a best animated short winning film, The Chub Chubs. Uh-huh. I don't know, did you ever see that one? Um, about this alien creature who tries to take care of these little. It actually, it's a, I feel it's like the spiritual sequel to The Chub Chubs, and I, <laughs> as a kid, fucking loved The Chub Chubs. Um, it's on probably illegally on YouTube. Um, the Chub Chubs is just about this alien in this basically nightclub outpost who's uh-huh. like taking care of these little cute creatures and these creatures turn out to be like this, these really kind of 
not grotesque monsters, but these monsters that are protecting them. Uh-huh. And like, man, did I get like nostalgia waves on yeah, this. Yeah. And it's not doing anything a lot. I think almost all these other films are doing. No, not almost all of them. They're there's, trying to do something, I think. There's still one that's not doing anything. That's one that's doing less than Bilby. Let me interested to see which one you think of this. Uh, and this one is is unapologetically just oh, goofy, yeah. and I, that's why I I enjoyed it for that. It's definitely in the middle, but it's it is one hundred percent. Still, I think meant for kids. It's like it's very much one that can like work for everybody. Right. It's it's not trying to emotion, trying to create any sort of emotional affect. It's just fun. Well, you know what movie uh, or what animated short this reminded me of um, was uh, that Pixar short from a couple of years ago, Piper, where they just oh, yeah. they kind of mastered water all of a sudden, and they're just oh like, hey, God, yeah. look at this, look what we could do. Piper is still like technically the most. Perfect of the short. Sure, thing. but it's just kind of. I was like, attached to what Finding Dory. The Finding Dory. It was attached. Was to it? Dory. I didn't see Finding Dory in theaters. It was Piper. I came to um, through like one of those collections, like the you know Pixar short film collections. And it was just you know there's just not a lot going on. It's just kind of like look what we could do with water. Look, did you see what we did with that water? Yeah, it and it's awesome. cute. It's cute. I don't know. Who a shit? That's what I, that's what I wrote that with Bilby. Who cares? You no, know know it's funny. Is is the fact that, like if somebody like approached us or somebody's listening to this podcast, they'd be like, "Oh, Mario's Mario's the dad. <laughs> Mario's the one with two kids." Um, on the subject, ladies, of, I'm single. I'm the, <laughs> and is willing to, ladies, ladies with kids. Mario single is willing to watch animated oh, no, short no, films no. with your kids. You um, went too far on the subject, Mario. Of who cares? The next movie on our list is Bird Karma. This movie fucking sucks. Written, <laughs> done, created somehow in some form by William Salazar, who was that out of the USA. Familiar, and why is that name familiar? I don't know. I, I just feel bad for I him. Didn't, I didn't. Oh, this, this is this the one. This is the one. Yeah. That, that you. This is a, This is number on this the is, bottom of my list. This is number eight for me. Um, striking animation at points in the fact of. It's 2D, and and there's parts that that look look nice. <laughs> well, for the people that have a problem with like it, it. But let's let's tell a story. It's a bird that's eating fish, and it sees a like just but black and white fish. It's a goldfish. Um, well, it's eating like black and like, yeah, it's fish that are black and white. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's mostly in, in a black and white animation style with some colored background. Um, eventually, it sees a goldfish. It chases the goldfish around because it's 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 seems entranced by the goldfish it eventually catches the goldfish is dancing with it then it eats the goldfish it turns out the goldfish is poisoned that bird dies and then all the fish eat the eat the the bird and there's some indian music pretty good indian music playing in the background which is i suppose where they get the karma from like there's the dual karma of like the you know idea that like the goldfish the bird tries to eat the goldfish and then the I'm, the, I'm, the making a, I'm making a I'm making a hand a symbol right now that we're not going to talk about on air because it's on PC. Oh man, I was. But it involves my hand in a cylindrical motion moving up and down. This is Mario, where I was just kind of mad that you had suggested this because <laughs> I was like, oh, between Bilby, I was mad at myself. Like, Bilby and this, I was like, no fucking way. There's no way I'm finishing these. If they're all going to be like this, there's no way I'm finishing these. Yeah. Um, no, bird karma. Bird karma is bad. I actually graded all of these, and I somehow gave Bird Karma initially when I watched it. And I did all this initial reactions. I somehow gave Bird Karma 
a C. This is, um, I, I dislike the next one we're going to talk about. I actually like it less, the next one, but it's at least doing something. Bird Karma is doing nothing, and it does not deserve to be shortlisted. And this is probably a good example, it, it being from the USA, of, of one of those movies that should have never touched the shortlist, no. but it did. What, what, besides some of the fun, like, color nothing. contrast, what is it doing? Nothing. nothing? Moving on. Nothing. Is, Grandpa yeah, Walrus. This is, this is awful. From Ooh. France. Uh, written and directed by Lucretia Andre. Lucretia Andre, yeah. I wrote it down, but my handwriting is atrocious. This Minus is going to be two. great when I get the computer because I'm going to have it just on the computer. Um, you want to explain what this one's about? Yeah, Grandpa Walrus um, is. They kind of explain in the beginning of the movie that, like, a walrus in um, France. Um, is an old man, fat old man, who kind of sits on the beach. Um, I completely missed oh, that really? line of dialogue. Oh, okay, so then... This is how much bird karma fucking melted <laughs> my brain. They, um... This, when the when the short opens, there's a family, uh, you know, grandmother, several generations, grandmother, a mother, and her kids are going to pay tribute to uh, this dead um, grand, grand, grandpa, grandpa walrus. Um... When they get to the beach where he has been sunbathing, you know, like all the good walruses do, uh, they find a, uh, an outline of a man in cigarette butts, and um, the mother is very angry at him. Like, you know, you, you the, know yeah, like, the daughter, yeah. the daughter of of the of the walrus, the grandpa walrus, um, kind of intimates that he wasted his life just sunbathing and smoking. Um, the it's supposed to be the wife, that they died of cancer of some sort. Yeah, the wife, though. Um, Scatters that wants to scatter his ashes. She begins creating some kind of tribute in the sand out of the cigarette butts. Um, meanwhile, the grandchildren kind of engage in their own, you know, activities um, on the beach. So the grandson, you know, goes exploring in the dunes and he ends up seeing the grandfather, um, who, when he turns around, is as a walrus's head. He turns into smoking. an actual walrus, yeah. Um, the uh, granddaughters um, bury each other in the sand. Uh, one has one, enormous tits for and, some reason, but then gets um, like sea creatures and, and reef stuff stuck to her face. It's almost like it's trying to grab seaweed her. Seaweed is sand. trying to like eat her. And then the smallest, the grandson, the smallest grandson who's a baby, um, is playing with his teddy bear near the water. And then the water, there's some bubbles, and then the water takes the teddy bear and almost tries to. And the bubbles um, also trying to eat him. Yeah, sort of? tries to drown him. Um, this ends up with everyone comes back together, having had their experience. Everyone's safe. Everyone has their experience, um, and they converge on the grandmother who's created this know. big walrus sand sculpture yeah. out of cigarette butts and shells, and they all kind of break down. They all finally feel it seems their grief. Um, then a wave comes and washes the sculpture away, and they all kind of laugh at themselves, and I suppose move on with their life, well, having experienced their grief properly. This is all about the temporality of things, um, you know, as told through the teddy bear, as told through the grandfather being personified just in a scatter of cigarette butts, the destruction of the sand sculpture. It's all about temporality and letting go. Yeah, um, this is my least favorite of the bunch but 
it is doing a lot of work. Okay. Uh, I, I, Birdcom is worse in terms of a production, in terms of doing something. It's just this is this is a little too gross and um, I don't know, gross is is a weird term. It's a little too much well, into the pit of it to that it loses its message. It, it loses kind of like its its uptick in the end for me. I would see, and that's the thing. I'm coming at this from the opposite, where you're losing. You think it's losing its uptick at the end. I actually feel like it be it. Um, began like without an uptick. I found it really off-putting, like right from the beginning, where the characters. Oh, I did too. I, I thought like, I the character off-putting. design was was really kind of I don't want to say offensive because that sounds stupid. No, but it was just kind of really weird, like overly weird. The music was overly aggressive for what it's, was happening. It's very much an early Mike Judge style sort of. I don't want to say well, Mike so, Judge, but it, has, it reminds me kind of like that very early. Beavis and Butthead style of animation. So I went to a different, and place. actually, that might be that might not be right. I might be thinking. No, of no, no. But too. that's fine because I because this is another one of those like being a dad is actually really kind of very helpful. So after a little bit, which I am not, ladies. I went to the thing that occurred to me was that the animation looks a lot like Tommy Ungerer, who is a children's book author and illustrator, and he is. Um, He's a he's, he is a French artist as well, but his characters always have this really kind of interesting, open, and vaguely are unreal. Opening, are you opening pictures of this design? No, I'm just I'm just making sure I get all the names right. Okay. Um, but he, you know he's got a million books. I think Otto is his most famous book. It's about um, it's called you know the autobiography of a teddy bear. It's about a teddy bear. Um, you know, in the Holocaust, it's a it's a Holocaust book for for kids, obviously, which is which what you want. Um, and after that occurred to me, I was like, oh, this is that kind of a thing. This is one of those. I think the thing with Tommy Unger is that even as a kid, or there's even a a, a short a, a book of children's short stories by um, Eugene Ionesco called One Two Three Four, um, that kind of touches on the same thing where the the pictures are don't oh really yeah look, I, can, I can see the animation style for they Tommy don't really Ungerer. look like they're for for kids um they're a little uh, they're a little upsetting they're a little too absurd almost um um is that, is that a children's book Tom? <laughs> no, that's not a children's book i mean it might be but um it's, i just showed him a very interesting tommy ungerer picture it's well he's got a lot of adult books too and stuff He's um, like a Shel Silverstein in that way. He's yeah, I think he operates out of that kind of, you know, that zone. Um, after I kind of got over it and the music calmed down and turned into a kind of an ambient, more of an ambient electronic music, um, more pulsing, as the imagery really became more clear with the sculpture and with the Grandpa Walrus, and. Um, the emotions became more intense. This is your favorite, isn't it? Uh-uh. No, that's okay, not my good. My number two. Um, I got really into it, and I think it's more... I think it's all. It's about all the things that you mentioned, but I also think it's about generational expectations. Where yeah, yeah, yeah. The different school... The different generations expected something very different from this man, where the grandmother is content to worship... Not worship, but to pay tribute to the exact person that he was. The mother's emotions relate to the idea that 
she wishes he was somebody different. And the kids who, you know, the one grandson thinks that her, his grandfather was really excellent. Um, don't really know him at all. And that's coming through as, that's coming through as well. They're like, it's, it's something, something has been missed. There's something missing. Um, and they're all coming at it from the same way. And they, but at the end they all end up crying. Uh, they all end up feeling, you know, this really intense loss of this person. Is that a metaphor for something regarding, you know, the French, you know, I don't want to say ideology, but the kind of French way or an old school yeah. Frenchness that's, that's been lost. Maybe, I don't know. But that's maybe like why this one is on the bottom of my list. Um, it does. It does a lot of work. It does the second most work of any of the shorts for me. Uh, I somehow have a feeling both of our number ones are the same um, right now. I'm guessing uh, it, it does the second most work, um, but it's just it, it is unpleasant and it's so foreign. And I guess that's kind of on the nose to me mm-hmm. um, that that everyone's unlikable. Mm. Um, and, but they don't feel natural in the same way. They feel very much like caricatures. And so I respect the work that's being done, but it doesn't change the fact that I don't like watching it. It's an, it's an unpleasant experience, but it's a very artistically done experience. It's, right. I mean, if, if you want to be... If you want to see an animated short that's artistically attempting something, this would be one of the three... Um, one of the ones that we'll mention later and age of sale would be one of the three I'd say to, to watch because this is the one doing the most work. It just is very much an unpleasant experience. That's why it's my Yeah, I get it. And I, and I like don't disagree with you to a point, but it's a little over long too. I really wanted to, I felt like it could have, could have cut a few, a few minutes. I thought it was pretty good. There's a couple of these that I thought were, were a little too long, um, that we'll get to, but I thought this one was all right. Um, the next. Oh man! If you if you if you think one of them's too long, we're gonna have, we're gonna have words. <laughs> the next one is uh, "Late Afternoon" by Louise Bagnell. It is from Ireland, um, and it's kind of an expressionist, or expressionist more of an impressionist. Yeah. Stop. Ab, ab, you know, it's got a lot of watercolors involved, a lot of a lot of simple lines, um, with you know filled in with some with some bright hazy colors um telling the tale of a older woman who we can assume is in the throes of dementia um, something in the, in the throes of somewhere where the expectations of her being present in the world is 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 not so and through the course of the the short she just keeps going backwards in time. Well, to, go, like, well she starts. She starts way life. further in the right. back, and then it basically tells the tale of of an old woman's kind of life through imagery. Has their they're playing them. Her and her daughter are playing move. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts with her, you know, seeing things that kind of reminisce throughout the stage of her life until eventually. The reason I say dementia is, is when she you know remembers her daughter's name. Yeah, say this is her daughter's name and they embrace. Mm-hmm. Um, this is fine. Yeah, I me. feel the same way. I thought it was nice. I think the music is good. There's a good, some pretty good piano it's music pretty. in it. It's, it's really very pretty. pretty. Um, I like some of the ways that they've transitioned with 
the colors. I like the idea that the colors kind of play a major yeah part in this, and they you know how they move from one color to another color. And it's the it's the one with the most perfect length, I think. Too. I see. This is one of the. I mean, this is not the one I was talking about, but it does feel because not a lot is happening. Um, there's just a lot of a lot of animation. You know, the camera kind like of transitioning. Like, yeah, and just kind of swooping around, and, and it's uh, like, oh, you know, or it's it's fine. But I think I think I think it's it's. I think it's, it accomplishes what it wants to. There is not a glacialness, but there is definitely a contemplative contemplativeness yeah, yeah, yeah. to this. I think so. That is necessary to set the tone of it mm. in, in the sense of an old woman kind of having reminiscing um, or even, you know, if, if she is suffering from dementia, kind of grasping at those things that needs to be told at that certain sort of deliberate pace in order to, yeah. in order to have the ending it has in order to have that kind of like final embrace from her and her daughter embrace. Um, it's not doing the most narratively. It, it's, I think it's, a lot of these are trying to do a lot of these are 100% trying to invoke emotion and this one is but it does it the least successfully yeah it's very simple um, yeah, it seems simple. almost too simple yeah and like there's points of it that are kind of sad in a weird way that I didn't think they were trying to be sad mm. like when she's sees her dad on yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the shore has a daughter as a little young girl and I'm like oh that dad's dead and I was like that's sad but it doesn't linger on that. Like, that's not a point of it. Mm. But, like, that hit me. I was like, oh, that dad is dead. That's an interesting point. In the and there's no, like, recognition of the dad being It dead. would have been good. It seems like if she has dementia, she would, like, heavily fall into That's the sound of a bourbon. <laughs> to that, fall into to that. that end, I feel like it should... I feel like the, the film should pick a point and have worked to that point more heavily instead of kind of, you know, going through all of these these life things you know what i mean like pick stick with that dad thing stick with that emotion make that specific emotion like the loss of that specific emotion more palpable yeah, um, maybe it would have made it more effective it's doing a lot in a little time but also as you said doing it in such a way that's a little yeah. deliberate and yeah. slow all right so then the next one alphabetically is lost and found and who's the director on that i didn't write it down uh andrew goldsmith and very shade, if my handwriting is correct. <laughs> um, it's out of Australia. It is a stop motion animation film. Um, there is a fox and there is a dinosaur. There are knit animals. Uh, the fox ends up in some peril, and the dinosaur tries to save it and ends up unspooling itself in an effort to save it, which it ultimately does. The fox then picks up all the yarn of the dinosaur friend that he had and the movie ends with him trying to stitch the dinosaur back together failing and then trying again to stitch the dinosaur back together wow it's also fairly falling asleep so yeah it's a fairly simple film but um i really liked it and <laughs> i thought it was uh you know when we talk about the movies that are trying to convey uh you know, very obviously trying to convey some emotions. Um, I think this one is that, and I think that the emotion is friendship is novel for this group of movies. You know what I mean? Like, there's not... A lot of them go right for the parents and go right for the uh, the instinctive emotional connection that a parent and a child have. This is, like, just two buddies. And, like, what oh, one man. buddy will try to get, do I didn't for get another buddy. The buddy thing out of it at all. 
Where's, where's, where'd you I get? Thought, I got a couple like out of it. Mm. Like a like a romance sort of thing out of this. I guess it could be. Well, because the fox is presented like slightly feminine, mm-hmm. and the dinosaur isn't. Man, I don't know. I, I might be reading this wrong. But it could be. Th- I think it's the same thing. So I think the other one, the parental one. It's is, definitely not parental. It's not parental, <laughs> which means it's, it's, all the other ones are parental. It's not except parental, for age of sale. Which means it's it's the other one. You know what I mean? It's it's the one where your connection is not um, a natural demand on one another for each other's protection or each other's love. It is it's earned, and because of that, it's almost it's almost deeper the to thing- the point where the dinosaurs. You know, is hopping on one short leg and a head towards this fountain contraption where the fox has ended up. The thing I also really like about it too is just that ending shot where, you're like, you know, the dinosaur falls back when he's trying when the fox is trying to reassemble the dinosaur. But the fact that like Goldsmith and Shade, I believe, made the um, choice to have the fox like falling asleep. Mm. Like barely able to stay awake, but that it's so important to bring his or her friend or possibly lover mm-hmm. back. Um, that that she's willing to sacrifice that, you know, like there's, there's a lot of sacrifice going on. In yeah, such short. This is basically in my middle. I, I really liked a lot of the most of these. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought it was. I thought it was nice, and I thought it was honest. Yeah, it's really simple, really straightforward. And, it, and the animation is really, really, really good. It's yeah, almost I love, it's almost seamless. I love stop motion. I know, me too. Water. Yeah, and they did it really, really well. I think the only time they didn't the only time the movie I think failed to convey that stop motion water thing was when that last piece of dinosaur yarn kind of mm-hmm. just falls on top kind of, like of the water. And then it just looks there. like je- it looks like a clear yeah. kind of jello jello thing. Um, looks like dried but astroglide, but it still looked, <laughs> but it still looked cool. Um, the whole thing looks, the whole thing looks cool, and the, uh, um, I mean that shot of the dinosaur's head, kind of flying through the sky as it unravels, oh. is really sad and kind and of powerful, and especially that part. And what's great too is also like the fox trying to prevent the dinosaur right, from killing yeah, itself, exactly. Um, trying to like break the uh, the the door stopper. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. It was very pure. It was surprising. It was surprising. I didn't expect to find something like that in, on this It's list. nice to have a lot of most, none of these, for the most part, are minimalist. Um, I'd say this, well, even even Bilby isn't minimalist, because Bilby does a lot. I think late, afternoon is, late Afternoon is the most minimalist But I'd, I'd say Lost and Found is the most for me, in the sense of it's, it's not doing anything ethereal or, or anything sort of. I mean, it's ephoral. It's just all. It's just very much in its own world. But it's and hard. telling a very. But stop motion animation is difficult. So no, I mean, I mean, in the in the sense of minimalist, in the sense of what the story is doing mm-hmm. and what the story is showing yeah, yeah. you. It's not asking. It's minimalist in the sense of what it's asking the audience to think. Sure, 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 sure. And uh, that that was impressive. Um, Kant. <laughs> On the contrary, one small step is one hundred percent telling its audience how to feel. Yeah. Three, two, one. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 
Um, it is uh, another movie out of the United States and China. China, joint, I believe, yeah. did a joint production. Um, it is directed and written by uh, Andrew Chesworth and Bobby Pontius. Um, in it, it's uh, Tyco Studios is the um, is the studio that keeps coming up when, like, every time I look it up. So that's probably significant. We should mention. I don't know what it means, but it's there. Probably I said one of those it. fucking LA studios, um, man. We talked about over and over again. There's a girl who um, watches the moon landing, I guess, on TV, and is loves space. And her father, who is a shoe cobbler, cobbler, although he's a fixer. I don't know how much cobbling you're doing at this stage in history. Um. There's a wood implication to the cobble. And then there's still the cobbler's still a thing. No, I guess. But there's a there's a there's a hammering. You know what cobbling is? Yeah, but you're not. I gonna, saw that. I saw that. I saw that uh, Adam Sandler movie. That's true. And there was a Seinfeld episode that dealt with some cobbling. Do you remember that Adam Sandler movie? The when, cobbler. When the movie was made, and that guy went on to then direct the Best Picture winning movie that year. Mm-hmm. I do, Mario. What movie was it? What year was the Cobbler? I don't know. What'd you tell me? Spotlight. Oh, right. He, oh, yeah, he did direct the Cobbler. That's right. Tom McCarthy, you are a wizard. <laughs> um, she gets a pair of space boots and for her birthday when she was a little girl. And kind of sets the direction for the rest of her life. She goes to college to be an astrophysicist. She applies to the space program. She doesn't get in. She's also not a great student, not a great athlete, so yeah. not an apt candidate. Um, I have questions about that that stuff. But um, her father dies, and um, I guess she inspires her to buckle down, even though they don't really show her not buckling down, per se. Um which eventually leads to her, you know, renewing her love of space and getting into the space program and walking on the moon and yada, yada, yada. Um, it's 2D animation, obviously filtered through a computer. Uh, this, is not, this is not cell stuff here. Um, it's pretty good. I think it's effective. It is extremely emotionally manipulative i think um, to the point where like i mentioned before in my little introduction where i think some of the choices that i think some of the character development in this short film which is a long, it's one of the long ones too it's about 10 minutes yeah, yeah uh, some of the the character development i don't think is very honest or very earned no it's that's it's because really 100 percent dishonest because she's clearly like when she's getting F's and when she's not getting into the space program is and, and, and falling down during track meets or whatever is working her fucking ass off. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure what one thing has to do with anything else. I guess the idea that she should keep working hard and not give up just because she didn't give it or get into it is, um, which is, you know, a decision she's she would doing make it in, wrong. In, she's not doing it the right way. In, but right. But, why? And why would her father's death and her discovery of the fact that he saved all of her shoes, specifically the space shoes, um, lead her to adjust her life in any way? I don't, I don't, oh, I don't it understand. It wouldn't just, at all. 
she seems like she's doing everything right. So she's just, her father dies and she's like, you know what? I'm going to keep doing everything right. But instead of getting an F, I'm just going to get an A. Well, because she, she, what? she had to study right. And she studied right. Well, why wasn't she studying right? Because she wasn't. Because she was getting Fs. <laughs> she was getting Fs. Then, then her weird. dad died. I think days. it's funny. If this movie was like a four-minute movie and it ended with her getting into like astrophysics school um, after that really beautiful scene after she gets the space boots and she kind of, you know, takes her father in the box, the cardboard box up to space and, you know, flies through Saturn and, and spends some time on the moon looking at that kind of hand-drawn earth and those stars kind of hanging from ropes. Um, and the actually, animation of this is gorgeous, too. I think I, I would have, I mean, this is still pretty high because everything, I think it, I think it works on a lot of levels. But just the character development is really dishonest. Oh, no, the character, it's its in, oh, oh, so dishonest. Um, Which is I mean, it's, it's manipulative. It's a 10-minute ten ten animated movie. It's manipulative. It's, it's, it does things that are so so fake in the sense of it doesn't earn anything. Yeah. And it is my second favorite one because, holy shit, did I cry during this. Oh, really? Yeah. I, um, and, I, and sometimes, you know, man, emotional manipulation sure, works. Sure, 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 sure. And when you master emotional manipulation with such utter contempt for earnestness <laughs> but you do it well you, you, you. i mean you placed it fourth and Reed just kind of shit on how unearnest this movie is but man it's does does do andrew well, and bobby know how to lean into i'm gonna be honest with unearnest you. It, it is fourth because it is um it was also third at one point i don't know if you can see um because of the first half of the thing. The second half plays like an advertisement for a for-profit university. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what that's what the second half plays like. Oh, no. But um, my thing is, like, I knew he was going to die. But when he dies, I'm like, oh, no. And I was like, why am I sad? Why am I crying? It, this plays to me like the, see, the opening of Up. The opening of Up is incredibly emotionally manipulative and incredibly unearnest and in- so inherently predictable. Uh-huh. But for everyone excluding you. I like the first five minutes of Up. I think every minute after the first five minutes sucks. But Oh, I thought I thought you found it to be really no, I really think fake. I think it's. I think the whole rest of the movie is really fake. No, there, there's 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 three minutes in the middle there that are great. No, there isn't. But that's the, the 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 squirrel part. The discovery of the of the dog is that like squirrels? No, the discovery of the the pages. No, it's not. It's the terrible. pages, the written pages after adventures to come. Yeah, event. I still watch that scene this day and it's that movie's 100 percent emotionally manipulated and knows what's garbage. doing is unearnest but it does it so well and this movie does that so yeah, well this... it's so in earnest so dishonest but yeah. when you are such a good filmmaker which these two are uh, you can do it and they do it um on the subject of good filmmakers Let's talk about the last one that's available to us to watch. It just appeared today after a, a several-month absence from the internet. Yeah, basically what was happening was was Tom was watching what One Small Step and Lost and Found yep. had been the last two we hadn't watched. And then you're just like, oh, shit, Weekends is up. Weekends has just appeared out of nowhere. It is directed by Trevor Jimenez, who is uh, works for as an animator for Pixar. 
And I guess... Um, is he an animator for Pixar? Or I thought he worked with the animators for Pixar. No, he was an animator for Pixar. Is he also So an I guess okay. one of the things that he said in an interview that we watched also... With only 587 this, views. Um, is that Pixar has a uh, program where the animators are allowed to use the facilities after hours to work on their own projects. Um, and so several... Uh, I guess he said 20 people that work at Pixar kind of helped him um, with this film. Um you said it's called Weekends. Uh, it shows, and we know from having watched this interview with him, um, it's an autobiographical story of what he experienced after his parents divorced and spending weekends with his father and, uh, you know, the weeks, days with his mother. Um, it has a, it looks like a moving modern graphic novel. Um, the, I wouldn't say that the animation is fluid, but I think that's on purpose. Oh, not at all, yeah. Um, Even though there are several dream sequences in this 15-minute movie, which is fascinating that a 15-minute film has like half a dozen dream sequences. Um, It is the... I I think this is the the longest one. The whole thing actually watches like a dream sequence. Mm. Um, I thought it was great. It's my number one. I... uh, think it's it does everything right i think the um i know the interviewer in that one we watched focused on he he asked him about the music and he you know talked about the dire straits a lot which you know uh money for nothing is playing uh several times in this uh but there's also uh, a couple of eric satie uh piano pieces that are used to very very great effect in this to really establish a kind of dream-like sadness um, to the whole thing. But I think the thing with Satie is that the chords he's using are so bright and the melodies are so bright that even though they're sad, there is... Um, uh, they're not just truly sad. There's a kind of uh, nostalgic melancholy happiness to them. You know, where these events obviously defined Trevor Jimenez's life, but they're also... That definition came at a, at a price, you and this I mean? is, this is why, I, I I believe it's your it is your number one too, right? It is both of our number ones, in the sense of this is the most complete film. This is the one that feels like it is made by somebody who actually has a true understanding of the narrative has three parts. Um, talking about that Satie composition, it starts out slightly melancholy, but but uplifts. Yeah, it kind of goes up. Whereas the Dire Straits starts out very imposing, very loud. The tempos plays in its plays in the normal tempo of da, of mm-hmm. Money for Nothing, but has it progresses. Um, spoilers: uh, the relationship between him and his father fal- falters and kind of separates and becomes less and less attached. They start out as two buddies watching. Yep. Necrodrome, which is a movie I still want to know if it actually is a thing. <laughs> um, starting as two buddies eating Chinese food, watching you know old slasher movies, and staying up late at night, playing play with, with like, samurai yeah, swords, yeah. and eventually he finds a new spouse and moves out and abandons him basically. Uh, whereas his mother kind of goes through a very abusive, unsuccessful relationship. They start out a little distant, but still affectionate, but slowly over the time warm up to each other and this a T score builds in that way whereas money for nothing starts out very imposing very loud 
and the tempo decreases, slows mm. down in it, it gets quieter and quieter, you can barely hear it. And it's just such a proficiency of the material. Um, early on in the film, when he's going to his dad's house, the Toronto skyline is very vibrant. It's drawn in in very exact ways. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's pronounced the the Chinatown kind of aspects yeah, of it yeah, yeah. are very pronounced and, and and neon and bright. And then by the point where it gets to his father leaving, it's haphazardly drawn. It's kind of just the CN Tower and a kind of couple of skewed little it's very dark, yeah. very dark skyscrapers, but very drawn in a very melancholy sort of dismissive way mm-hmm. and it's so proficient in its in its ability to tell a story in the three different facets that we always talk about that's just it's, it's astounding this movie transcends in every way the entire class of the films that yeah, besides it it's funny, except for animal behavior because who fucking knows what that movie is because it, it i think a lot of the i think one of the things that a lot of these animation these films specifically, but we can go to the Pixar movies. We can go to a lot of, you know, different kind of animation that we've seen. You know, I, I saw Wreck-It Ralph over the, the weekend, um, or Ralph Breaks the Internet. Um, they think because they're animating a movie, they can they can and should do whatever they want. And they kind of abandon traditional film rules and um, tropes and designs in favor of just fucking noise and chaos and i think one of the things i appreciate about this i appreciate the quiet i appreciate the pace but i also appreciate the fact that like he uses composition to help tell the story yeah so like when the dad picks up when the dad picks up the son um at the mother's house there's that really tall tree in between the house and the car and at one show that is, kind of divide which shows the divide usually the kid walks fairly casually fairly nonchalantly between the two worlds at the end though after you know he's had that bad dream about the the mother's new boyfriend um he kind of stops in the middle by the tree you know what i mean it establishes a center line it establishes the the space between them like that there is actually a there is a legitimate thing now but between them, between these two worlds. You can't just have fun in one and have fun in the other uh, or have a little more fun or a little less fun but be comfortable in the other. Now he's just stuck in this very big area here that's you know exemplified by this bush. Um, and, I, and I appreciated that. I appreciated the... The kid ends up sleeping on a horse at his dad's house most of the nights, like a kind of horse statue. Um, I appreciated the way that that was used and that was framed, and I appreciated how static it was. It was something that he could count on. There's you know so many. I mean? There's so many center, center lines in this too. I know, and that's I mean, it's one of the things that a lot of these. I don't think a lot of these. You know, something like fucking Bilby, where it's like everything's moving all the time, and like where's it going? The camera's I mean, swooping in and out, and all this other shit. It's like. I just Jimenez so, is Jimenez is he's 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 the the one I could look at and be like this give this guy an actual camera and he could be a filmmaker or this just guy give has him a 20, vision or give him twenty million dollars let him make a like a feature length animated or movie. just a fucking feature length like give him two million and let him make a feature length 
But if he doesn't movie, want, if, he doesn't want if, he, do if he wanted if he, to do that, if he wants to but he's the one movie. Like if that's his medium, if that's his, you know, where he yeah, wants to go, no, then exactly. let him do it. But he is the one of everyone here outside of maybe like John Kerr's kind of like doing something like doing something very naturalistic too. But, but more so than that, Jimenez just has a vision that can be presented on screen. So if he wanted to tell a feature live action film, yeah. he's the one I would trust to do that. Cause this very is, good. this is, it's, it's real. And, and it's uses, you know, cinematography has storytelling. Um, but it also shows in a lot of ways the divergence of the story using animation um, in a similar way that Paris Cosmatos did with like Mandy mm. um, in visual storytelling and in like increasing the discordance of, of the film and of what's happening That's in cool. order to, um, to tell that narrative without going like way over over the top and overzealous like other animators would. This yeah. is the one that kind of feels like the things he's showing you could have been done in a film, could have been done live action. And, and it is the most well-composed, well-established, well-thought-out. It is the one with the most liberation, mm-hmm. I feel. Um, yeah, it's funny. It's, it's in a class by itself. This is the one, I, if, if all these other films and, you know, Bird Karma obviously buried in the ground where the, the Trump votes are. Um, <laughs> if all these other films are kind of like lingering in, in their own space, like... Weekends is in the clouds yeah. above it. I am um, so. Let's go through the rankings real quick. I have weekends number one. Obviously, I no, actually think. Both. I think. I actually think Granville Walrus comes pretty close, not to usurping Weekends as my number one, but to doing something similar. It's got. It some, does. It's got it, something it, to say. I think you're right in the sense that, like the maybe the pacing's a little off. The tones really. The tones kind of weird. Um, and this is the thing. I think effective. this is this is the thing with animation because Grandpa Walrus like. Like my number two is is one small step, um, but it's doing all all the things you'd expect. But it's doing it's it's manipulating you well. But Grandpa Walrus is you know coming up in the very back of my. It's, it's nine for mm-hmm. me, um, but I do respect what it's doing. But yeah, this yeah. is kind of the problem with animation or even like any sort of short, is if you don't hit the mark for the audience, you're going to really miss the mark. Yeah. Um, so yeah, weekends Grandpa Walrus. We got Lost and Found number three, One Small Step number four, and Bow rounds out what I expect the Oscar. I would hope the Oscars would say, unless Animal Behavior is really excellent and can sneak in here and like kick Bow out, um, as it's five nominated features or nominated shorts. That we, you'd age, hope you would hope to be nominated. I would think would be yeah. I would hope to be nominated. Age of Sales six, Late Afternoon seven, Bilby. Um, even though it's technically proficient, is totally useless at eight, and the absolute garbage bird karma is at number nine. Uh, so if we're talking about what I'd hope to be nominated, um, I'd hope weekends would would run. Away. I'd hope weekends would be the only movie I hope nominated. To see Trevor Jimenez walk up on stage and, and, and get an Oscar, and then obviously do a very stilted Oscar speech because his interview was yeah, very yeah. stilted. I cannot connect the vision of that movie with the interview. Uh, Weekends is my number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, one small step is my number two. When you can manipulate an audience well, you, you deserve that credit. Uh, my three is Age of Sail. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you put Craftsman together uh, in terms of voice acting mm-hmm. and in terms of an image, you do that well. Uh, my four would be Late Afternoon 
and my five would be Bilby because it's fun. That'd be my nominees. Um, then Lost and Found, also really stellar. Uh, my seven, eight, and nine, uh, Bal is my seven, and my eight is Bird Karma. Um, neither of those movies worked for me. I think actually Bird Karma is actually effectively bad. Bal, I think, just is a miss for Pixar. Uh, and last is Grandpa Walrus. I respect what it's doing, but it missed the mark. Mm-hmm. One little fun thing to do before we end. What do you think will be nominated? Um, I think Bao obviously is going to get nominated. Bao's going to Bao. Bao, I think it will win. Weekend's going to get nominated. Um, if I had to guess, I would say Bilby would probably get nominated because it looks exactly like Bao. Um, probably one small step because it's very, it's normal. You know what I mean? It's got good stereotypical animation. Um, is that four? And then probably Age of Sail because it's got the credentials. See, I think it's going to be Bao. I don't think Bao's going to win. I think Bao's going to get nominated. I think Weekends should. I think Bilby will also get nominated. Weekends will be updated. Late Afternoon, I think, will take that kind of like prestige nomination because it's short. It presents an older subject. It's not necessarily... It's approachable, but not necessarily for children. I think One Small Step is going to win because I think One Small Step... Hits all those marks of technical proficiency and emotional, not emotional, but emotional manipulation. But I think that's going to be the one that they. I guess the, the animated short has typically been the things that like hit the people in the gut a lot. Uh, a lot of the winners, yeah, and I think one small step is too. is the one that hits the gut. Weekends is too much of an actual film to win for me. Hmm. Interesting. Well, we shall see. We'll talk about it. Um, and when we see... Watch, watch, watch the nominees be like Grandpa Wal- like Grandpa Wallace and Bird Karma, the only two nominees. <laughs> You're really doing two this year. And then I'm- Bird Karma wins, and then they give them 20 minutes to talk about oh, Bird Karma. Um, just William Salazar going up on stage and just fucking shitting everyone. I don't know. Um, when Animal Behavior comes out, when it becomes available to see, we will talk about it. Um, uh, you know, If you want to keep track of when we're going to do that, you could... What's our Twitter again? You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash film pivotal. Also, if you want to tell us, you know, knowing the fact that a lot of these animated shorts are kind of coming from a couple studios. If yeah, you have some animated shorts from are, 2018, yeah. I, I, there's a few that I've looked up that I that I've looked up that aren't available to watch, but that are were apparently the important better ones. Mm-hmm. Um but if you know any of those from this year or the years, a couple years past that may have fallen under the radar, let us know. We'll watch them. We'll at least bring them up in passing when mm-hmm. talking about some sort of animated film or some sort of film. Yep. We always bring those things up. Uh, so twitter.com slash film pivotal or mm-hmm. email us at uh, pivotal film podcast at gmail.com. Um, we'll post a link to this episode on our website, pivotalfilm.com, along with a list of the beers that we drank and the other films on our pivotal film list. Um, until then, uh, go see an animated short, uh, drink a beer, and we'll talk to you whenever. Bye.